This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where Nikki Freed has a few choice things to say about the governor's role during the COVID crisis. This has been so much harder than it had to be, and we know why. Blind allegiance to an insurrectionist. Freed dropped that little gem on her Twitter feed in what appears to be the opening salvo in the governor's race of 2022. Florida's vote-by-mail system worked so well last year that Republicans are already trying to change it. Senator Randolph Bracey is not surprised. Florida has had the worst record of voter suppression in the country by far. It's not even close. And so it's hard not to look at it as a party that's in control, doing whatever they can to keep it. Democrats say the system worked pretty well last year and Republicans should leave it alone. Reefer Madness in the state capitol, a Harvard prof who believes marijuana is not medicine and compares high-potency weed to crack and crystal meth, was invited to testify. New marijuana poses a greater risk than old marijuana. By the time she was done, some lawmakers were cracking jokes and accusing her of pushing bogus science. And how about a bit of religion? A House subcommittee has approved Representative Randy Fine's bill. HB 529 is a simple bill. It would create a mandatory one to two minute moment of silence and reflection for all of our school students in K through 12 in the state of Florida. A lobbyist for American Atheist says it's a school prayer bill in disguise. Another bill targeting big tech. Representative Scott Plakin wants fines of up to $100,000 per day for social media platforms that do not act fast enough to remove child porn from their websites. We'll also have your calendar of political events and the story of a Florida man who is back in the news after a cocaine bust. At least this time, his pants didn't burst into flames. But first, a word from the sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. This public health crisis has shown our one-size-fits-all education system does not meet the needs of every child. Senate Bill 48 rethinks education and provides needed flexibility for students and families, giving students the tools and resources they need to unleash their potential. You can make a difference and improve our education system by visiting fledreform.com to tell your lawmaker to support SB 48. Paid for by Americans Prosperity Florida. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, February 17th. On this date in 1933, the U.S. Senate accepted the Blaine Act, ending prohibition. In 1936, the world's very first superhero appeared in the comics. His name was The Phantom. In 1947, Voice of America began broadcasting to the Soviet Union. And in 1969, Bob Dylan and Johnny Cash recorded an album. It was never released. This is Ash Wednesday, and it's Random Act of Kindness Day. The Department of Health reporting 225 more fatalities and almost 6,300 new cases of COVID-19 Tuesday. Florida's death toll has reached 29,659. We're on track to pass 30,000 by the end of the week. The total number of infections has now reached 1,837,000. On the plus side, Florida will soon be getting a lot more vaccine. The Department of Health and Human Services says the state will receive 835,000 doses next week. Half of those the first shot, the other half are second doses. It's the result of an increase in production by both Pfizer and Moderna, and this is more than twice what we were scheduled to receive this week. It is the fourth straight week with a significant jump in Florida's vaccine allotment. Is it the start of the 2022 governor's race? Florida Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed dropped a one-minute video on her Twitter feed Tuesday attacking Governor Ron DeSantis over his response to the COVID crisis and his hostility to the new administration of President Joe Biden. 
You won't hear this from Governor DeSantis, but you need to hear it. This pandemic has been painful. While he lashes out at everyone else like he's the victim, we all know who the real victims are. Every Floridian who has lost a loved one, lost a job, lost a way of life. This has been so much harder than it had to be, and we know why. Blind allegiance to an insurrectionist. So let me say this to all Floridians. You are loved. We feel your hurt. Florida can and will do better. As the Biden administration puts science first and we turn the corner on this pandemic, I promise I will continue to fight for you and hold the governor accountable. Although this has been a dark, painful time for our state, with your help getting vaccinated and masking up, this can be the beginning of the end. And we've got plenty more beginnings to look forward to, Florida. Freed is the only Democrat holding statewide office now, and ever since her election in 2018, there's been speculation she will challenge DeSantis when he runs for re-election. Welcome to the campaign. Speaking of elections, a committee in the Florida Senate votes to change the way we vote by mail, and Democrats say they smell a rat. Senate Bill 90 is sponsored by Dennis Baxley, and the senator from Ocala says he just wants to take what worked so well last year and make it official, instead of relying on an executive order from the governor. Vote by mail was a success. And the purpose of this bill is to preserve its long-term success by orderly business practice. One of the realities that we must uh, cope with in Florida is that we are very transitional, very mobile. 15.5% of Floridians lived in a different house in 2019 than they did in 2018. So I have a concern about how this mobility of sending live ballots to addresses that are no longer correct uh, could over time really compromise election integrity. We should develop policy that prevents that by uh, having them renew their desire to vote in the same way. You will have a hard time protecting the voter file, in my opinion, if we don't safeguard uh, uh, reassuring that they want to vote again. When they do uh, ask for a ballot, it would be good for the complete year following. That last provision, forcing people to request a vote-by-mail ballot every year, is what has Democrats calling foul. It means all the people who signed up last year to vote by mail will not be getting a mail ballot again unless they send in a new request every year. Most of the Floridians who voted by mail were Democrats, and Senator Randolph Bracey says the change smacks of suppression. We've had record turnout, and now we're putting something in place that will reduce vote-by-mail, a way in which a lot of people like to do it. It's hard for me not to look at it through the lens of what has happened here in Florida. Florida has had the worst record of voter suppression in the country by far. It's not even close. And so it's hard not to look at it as a party that's in control doing whatever they can to keep it. Because when you look at it, we've got an election coming up in 2022. The last gubernatorial election was one of the closest we've ever had. One that was decided by 35,000 votes out of more than 9 million. And this is clearly going to reduce vote by mail in Democratic counties. The Reverend Joe Paramore says it's a bit bizarre to hear Republicans praise the vote by mail system and then try to change it. Vote by mail is extremely popular in Florida, and many voters, especially our vulnerable populations, rely on this voting method to cast their ballots. 
Floridians used vote by mails during our country's greatest pandemic because it provided a safe and secure way to ensure they participated in their civic duty and cast their ballots. Why break a system that everyone has applauded? Florida's excellent and well-tested vote-by-mail system represents a shining example that other states across our country should follow. And we think this provision would be a step in the wrong direction and is seen as nothing more than an attempt once again at voter intimidation and voter suppression. Baxley's bill survived the Senate Elections Committee, barely. The vote was five to four. If you're holding out hope that Florida lawmakers will talk about legalizing recreational marijuana, eh, you can pretty much forget it. They appear to be headed in the opposite direction. The Public Health Subcommittee in the House invited an expert who says weed should be prohibited and marijuana is not medicine. Bertha Madras is a professor of psychobiology at the Harvard Med School. Her presentation on high-potency marijuana sounded a bit like a modern-day version of reefer madness. The accumulating data, which is still in its infancy, is that high THC potency is associated with higher risk for psychosis, lower age of schizophrenia, impaired brain function, use of other drugs, more use, higher risk for addiction. And the marijuana-related hospitalizations are related to abuse and dependence to mental illness, the largest increases are diagnosis of schizophrenia and other psychotic disorders. So abstain from cannabis if possible, choose low strength, lower THC content, don't use synthetic cannabinoids, avoid smoking, avoid deep inhalation, don't drive or operate machinery, avoid if pregnant or if there's a family predisposition to psychosis. The reality is that most people have not followed these guidelines where cannabis now is legal in Canada. And they're very similar across both countries. They're initiating before the age of 16. They're using high THC products. They're using daily. They're driving after using. Uh, they're using even though they're at high risk for psychosis and a small percentage are using uh, synthetics. New marijuana poses a greater risk than old marijuana. Madra says the high-powered weed today is like crack or crystal meth. And by the time she was done, Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith of Orlando was cracking jokes. There's a lot in your presentation to respond to, so I'm not sure to, if I should start running for the hills or running for a dispensary to relieve my anxiety around so much of what's been presented. Representative Smith says Dr. Madras is a cannabis prohibitionist who pushes bogus studies to suggest weed causes psychosis and that more kids are using pot in states where it's legal. He says both claims are false. If lawmakers really want to know what happens after legalization, Smith says he has a bill they should consider. Unless, of course, the chair wants to workshop my bill to legalize <laughs> cannabis and then we can have a fuller conversation. It's a bipartisan bill, Senator Jeff Brandis, you know, Representative Escamani Sabatini. I know that coalition makes people feel uncomfortable, but it's worth a discussion. <laughs> Madras also told lawmakers she would rather see people take opioids than medical marijuana. 
The House Subcommittee on Early Learning and Elementary Education approves a bill requiring one or two minutes of silence at the start of the school day. The sponsor is Representative Randy Fine of Brevard County. HB 529 is a simple bill. It would create a mandatory one to two minute moment of silence and reflection for all of our school students in K through 12 in the state of Florida. The bill says that teachers cannot get involved in how students choose to take advantage of that moment um, of silent reflection, but it does ask them to have parents and guardians talk to students about it. The other thing that the bill does is it cleans up some old language that's an existing statute that, that references voluntary prayer in schools. Where the, and so it takes out in these portions of the bill references to prayer in our current statutes. Fine's bill would indeed change one section that mentions school prayer, but Devon Graham with the group called American Atheist says he's not fooling anyone. I've been fighting this bill for going on two years now. And between that and my deconversion from Christianity about five years ago, I've learned that there's very little that I or the 25% of non-religious Floridians can say that can convince people that the separation of church and state matters and is vital to our democracy. The fact that this bill is part of a statute that explicitly describes the study of religion and the Christian Bible in our schools isn't convincing anyone that this moment of silence isn't religiously motivated. So in addition to being the evil neighborhood atheist who's here to kill your joy, I'm also the mother of two kids in public schools. As a parent, there are a few things that are more heartbreaking than watching your kids being bullied for who they are or for what they believe in. The mandatory moment of silence is setting up children who do not pray, whose faith doesn't ascribe to a bowed head posture, or who just don't want to participate to setting them up for bullying. There are multiple cases of this in our court system currently. Where, option, where secular or neutral moments of silence or religious classes are implemented. It comes down to this. There are no guidelines on how to run this moment of silence. There's no guidance in the bill on how to opt out. There's no language in this bill on how it will be guaranteed that this moment of silence will remain secular and neutral and compliant with the establishment clause of the First Amendment. The current statute already allows kids to take part in this moment of silence if they so choose to. And they should absolutely be allowed to if they want to. What it shouldn't be is compulsory. Because like all rituals and religious practices, it should be done because the person wants to and not because they're forced to. Fine, who is Jewish, says he knows all too well what it's like to be in the minority when it comes to religion. But he rejects the idea there needs to be a wall between church and state. There is no such thing as a separation of church and state. It is a fiction that has been created by some people. There is no establishment of religion. That is very different than the prevention of religion. Now, while this bill doesn't deal with prayer and it doesn't mandate prayer, in fact, for those people who advocate this incorrect view, this bill removes references to prayer from the bill. Every day we do the prayer on the floor. The vast majority of the time, the prayer does not address me. I don't need to get into why I am explicitly excluded from the prayer, but I don't protest. I don't not attend. I don't make a big deal. What I use that time for is exactly what we do in this bill to get myself centered, to think about the fact that we have to serve the people of Florida, to recognize that I am here to do what is best for my children and yours as well. That is something that everyone would value, whether you're here in the legislature whether you're my seventh, my seventh grade Jewish student, who's the only Jewish kid in his class, if not his school, 
And that is for every other student as well. It is a good thing for people to take time to be centered and to think about the day and to plan. It is, we need more of this in this world. This bill will not change the world, but it will make it a little bit better. Fines bill passed the committee by a vote of 11 to 7. Another day, another shot across the bow of the big tech companies. Representative Scott Plakin of Longwood has filed a bill that would punish social media platforms that are not fast enough to remove child pornography from their sites. He says the bill was inspired by the case of a teenage boy from Florida who had a video of a sex act involving him and another person posted to Twitter against his will. House Bill 995 would fine social media companies $100,000 for each day the porn is not taken down. Your calendar of events is next on the Sunrise Podcast, right after a word from the sponsors. In Florida, if you fall behind on court debt payments, the state takes away your driver's license. But if you can't drive, you can't work. So how can you make enough money to pay the debt? This policy makes no sense. Let's end debt-based license suspensions and help Florida get back to work. Welcome back to the Sunrise Calendar. The Senate Governmental Oversight and Accountability Committee meets at 9. They'll take up a plan to create public records exemptions for information about people who apply to become presidents of state colleges. The House Secondary Education and Career Development Subcommittee meets at 10 to hold a discussion about preparing kids for college and careers. At 1, the House Post-Secondary Education and Lifelong Learning Subcommittee will consider a proposal requiring state colleges to conduct annual assessments of intellectual freedom and viewpoint diversity. The House Tourism, Infrastructure, and Energy Subcommittee meets at 1. They're considering a transportation bill that includes a proposal to reduce the sales tax on motor vehicle purchases by 50 bucks. At 1.30, Senator Randolph Bracey of Ocoee holds a press conference in the Capitol to talk about his bill to compensate descendants of the people who were killed, injured, or victimized during the Ocoee Election Day Massacre of 1920. At 3.30, the Senate Education Appropriations Sub takes up a bill expanding eligibility for school vouchers. At 4, the House Health and Human Services Committee takes up a bill that would help shield nursing homes, hospitals, and physicians from coronavirus lawsuits. The House Pandemics and Public Emergencies Committee meets at 4 to be briefed about rules and laws affected by emergency orders during the COVID pandemic. And the Florida Department of Agriculture Hemp Advisory Committee will meet in a conference call at 3, followed by a Medical Cannabis Advisory Committee conference call at 4. Finally today, a Florida man who attracted international attention after his pants caught fire during an arson trial is busted on cocaine charges. 32-year-old Stephen Gutierrez was stopped in Miami-Dade for driving without a working headlight. The cop spotted what he thought was a knife in the guy's pocket. Turned out it was a metal cylinder with a white powder inside, and he told the officer it was coke. Gutierrez got his original 15 minutes of fame back in 2017. He was defending a man accused of torching his car to file a bogus insurance claim. The attorney was telling jurors that fire might have been caused by spontaneous combustion when smoke began billowing from his pants. He blamed a faulty battery in his electronic cigarette for igniting his pocket. Prosecutors claimed it was a stunt to try to sway the jury, but they did not press charges. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.